today on Rolling with New York Mike. So that's why I go back and say, okay, it's March 6th. That's the day the Alamo fell, 1836, March 6th. Remember the Alamo. Remember the Alamo. That's a, a little mission in Texas, San Antonio, Texas, pretty close to the Mexican border. And Mexican General Santa Ana killed each and every defender of the Alamo, every single one of them. It was a Texas tragedy, an American story of the development of this country. Texas wasn't a state, it was a republic then, but it's still in America's, it's how we develop. A, a tragic, a Mexican massacre. And then two weeks later, not that far away, they tortured and killed everyone in Fort Goliad. Yeah, look it up, Goliad. That's how the West was won. We didn't sit around and protest and say, you know, hey, this isn't fair. Yeah, but nobody wants to talk about the forgotten history of how America was fought, how America was made. Welcome to Rolling with the most patriotic man I know, my husband. And now, his podcast, Rolling with New York Mike. Get on the ride. All right, I'm New York Mike. This is Rolling with me. <laughs> Rolling with New York Mike. And a little bit late this week, another week where so much is going on. I start to do something on Monday, and then I say, wait a minute, let me see what goes on. Let me just remind everybody, this is the week that Tucker Carlson played the whatever he edited from 44,000 hours of tape of the January 6th. Wait, wait, call it what you want. Call it what you want. I call it a protest that, that got out of control and that some people were pretty stupid and, and did some vandalizing and, and other stupid things. Some people call it a riot. I don't, I don't think it reaches the level of riot, and some people call it a, um, <laughs> I don't even want to say the word, like a revolution or something. No, not even close. But, but, up until now, you, you couldn't really say much about it. Now, my last podcast was, was me and my friend Gunny Claus. Yeah, bar. I've been with several friends in the last few months who have all been in the area. Now, I don't know anybody that I, and I'm thinking carefully I don't want to say the wrong thing and say, oh, no, I forgot about that guy. I don't know anybody that was actually in the Capitol. My buddy, Mike, who's a retired Port Authority cop, we were meeting, and when we left the Lips Park, he called and told me, go back, there's no perimeter, this is a setup, something's wrong. I mean, it was like he saw something bad. That was early in the afternoon, maybe like before 2 o'clock or around 2 o'clock. Because the president didn't stop speaking, it was almost one o'clock, and then we had a, 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 a un, um, I don't know what the right word is, to get out of it. We were so just crowded in there, crunched in together. I mean, you could say sardine can, but it was worse. <laughs> and, and it was bad. I, I'm laughing at you thinking back how it, it kind of seems funny, but it wasn't funny. I often say there was no ingress, egress, there was no, there was no order, there was no medical. And, and there were some situations that could have gotten pretty bad. Fortunately, they didn't. And I have talked about how Tony and I were standing there when the family, a guy's wife had a, about a 12-year-old kid who was having a problem and they, they just couldn't get through the crowd to get her some medical attention. And, and that's what triggered my thought. Wait a minute, there's nothing, there's nothing here. And, and it wasn't like, 
there wasn't like people didn't know what was coming. It's like, oh my God, look at all these people here. Oh, oh my God, Nancy, did you see that? No, Chuck, I didn't realize. Oh, look outside. They got, they got a hundred thousand people on Lips Park. No, no, you can't even see, you can't even see Constitution Avenue. It's obliterated by all the people between the Washington Monument and and the the park by the White House. It's a, it's a sea of people. Oh my God, it's got to be. Now, my opinion, had to be close to a million people. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was a half a million. It was a lot more than a hundred thousand. It was huge, and they knew it. Don't tell me that the intelligence in Washington, D.C. is so lacking that they had no idea because I was there on Monday. <laughs> we saw the crowds, the developing crowds, and, you know, and everybody knew. I mean, who are we to have this kind of intelligence to know that there's busloads of Antifa people? I mean, we saw it. We was there. Okay, so I started, I, I started writing all this on Monday, March 6th, and I said, I'm going to talk about March 6th because it's March 6th. To me, it's always been a very special day in America since I'm a kid. And, and I learned about the Alamo. And I started writing and developing the, the whole theme for this week's podcast around March 6th. And then I heard or saw or something that Tucker was going to expose all those hours of tapes that he's had for a few weeks now. But he's gone through them to pick out. I mean, from 44,000 hours to pare down to, what, 20 minutes, a half an hour, maybe? of actual, And I think that that's probably going to be over the, the two days, Monday and Tuesday. Let's say it's a little more than that. It's only, it's only it's much of 44,000. But again, I started this because March 6th. And, and how do I tie this in? And I want to tell you how to tie it in. I keep on saying, people say how bad it is. I always say it was a lot worse. We've been through worse. This country is a nation that has been forged, as as my friends say, forged. It didn't just come up out yesterday in a gentle way. We've come through so much to go and see this. And, and believe me, I'm aghast. I'm like, God, I can't believe this. Oh, yeah, it, it's true. But at the same time, you've, you've got to balance your response with a sense of understanding of who we are and what's going on. Every little crisis is, is not existential. Don't get like these. Every hurricane is climate change is going to end the world. Oh, the weather was a little bit different than we expected. I mean, I heard a guy today, some climate change dude say that. How, do you, how did he phrase it? It's effective when they say these things. That 100-year climate events are now happening every year. Well, I, I, I don't see that. I do see some changes in the climate. I think we all do. Is there more severity of... I remember back... When I was a kid, the streets in New York City were like piled high with snow and you couldn't get through it. And it was horrible. And we couldn't even get to the little supermarket in Brooklyn where we where we shopped at the end of the street. I remember we couldn't get could not get there. And and nobody shopped in big. You know, we, we, we kind of like in my house, it was like I think it was day to day. You bought you didn't buy gallons of milk or a half a gallon. You bought a quarter of milk. <laughs> you just we didn't have the capacity to 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 store things and the store it was just so we had to resupply every other day or whatever in the normal course of living and we couldn't get there. 
I remember that. How old was I? I was a little kid, five, six years old, something like that. And it was, I mean, I, I remember hurricanes in New York, in Brooklyn, in you know where I lived. I, it, was, it was a big hurricane. We were prepared for the hurricanes. And are they bigger today? I, he, the same guy said he never expected to see that flooding on the streets of New York. Yeah, I have. We all have. Is it more prevalent today? Maybe a little bit. Is it? Is it going to be two or three degrees hotter in 100 years? That's what they're talking about. Look, what we have contributed as human beings to the change in this planet in the last 10,000 years has been significant. You can't say it hasn't been. And probably have had more effect in the last two or three hundred years than in the two, three thousand years before that. Sure, the Industrial Revolution, so much. But to say that it's our actions that's going to change the climate to create an existential situation for the planet is hyperbole. Now, it doesn't even take into consideration that over time, we change, we, humans, we change the effect we have when we see things. And, you know, we, we, we go from, how you know, coal and other, you know, things that burn to, to, to nuclear. Nuclear is cleaner. But are the climate change people calling for nuclear? I mean, these, are, these, these things are all related. It's all related. The, the lies that the government is telling, the lies that they're accusing, the... <laughs> The other people, I mean, nothing's changed. So that's why I go back and say, okay, it's March 6th. That's the day the Alamo fell, 1836, March 6th. Remember the Alamo. Remember the Alamo. That's a, a little mission in Texas, San Antonio, Texas, pretty close to the Mexican border. And Mexican General Santa Ana killed each and every defender of the Alamo, every single one of them. It was a Texas tragedy, an American story of the development of this country. Texas wasn't a state. It was a republic then. But it's still in America's. It's how we develop a, a tragic, a Mexican massacre. And then two weeks later, not that far away, they tortured and killed everyone in Fort Goliad. Yeah, look it up. Goliad. That's how the West was won. We didn't sit around and protest and say, you know, hey, this isn't fair. Yeah. But nobody wants to talk about the forgotten history of how America was fought, how America was made, the, the pioneers, the people that went. I, I read about how the Native Americans got here over the Iberian Straits that came over from Eurasia. And they were probably the DNA that we see today goes back 17, what, thousand years to connect with the Mongolians. And then they, I mean, this is, this is so much. And when they came here, who did they take them from? Who did they, who did they rape and pillage and, and take over? I mean, <laughs> this is how the world develops. This is how humanity develops. It isn't always pretty. You hope the result maybe never justifies the means, but in balance, it creates a better environment, overall environment, the living environment, not just not just, you know, the climate, but I don't want to go too far off the track. But March 6th, Monday, was the day I started to talk about the Alamo. 
And, and I'm also, <laughs> help me out here because I'm also having Daytona withdrawals. Now normally, not just normally, but every year, year after year after year, I, 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 in 05, I didn't go. And, and that whole thing came to a whole different place, a place where not that's the year I ran for mayor. That's the year that I filed the petition to save the war memorial, the memorial on Mount Soledad. It was actually the cross on that memorial that they wanted to take down. And I think that we did talk about that last week with my buddy Barr. Some people want to call that a controversial podcast. <laughs> Go for it. It's all true. It, it, it's all true. There's nothing there that's made up. There's no lies. Is, is there opinion? It's opinion. It's, it's opinion based on how Barr and I, ex- with our actual experience, was and is. So say what you want. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from that podcast, and I think I should have. I think it was appropriate. And it, it talked a lot about Mount Soledad. So I won't go into it, but I will go into the fact that it was. it's weird when you look back over time and you go, well, wait a minute. Every single year, year after year, I ride. Now, I own San Diego Harley Davidson for 27 years. So I can say without a doubt, 27 years and a lot of years before that from San Diego, from when I lived in New York and went to Bike Week in Daytona, rode there. Year after year after year. What, and the only year I can actually remember not going was 2005. And I cannot tell you why, because I don't remember. And I didn't go. And I ended up being at the city council meeting where they voted to take down that cross on that war memorial. And that became that whole thing. And now this is the next year, 15 years later. Is that what it is? 15? No, 18. Sorry. 18 years later is the next time I decide nah, I'm not going to Daytona this year. And so I'm having withdrawal, especially because there are I, I one out of every five years or so. The ride to Daytona kind of sort of coincides with March 6th because I, I, I usually take the 10. I take the 8 to the 10, the 10 to El Paso, and then I go east from El Paso and ride to Daytona. That, that makes sense. So, because the weather. And that doesn't mean it's always good weather. Don't get me wrong. It can be funky at best. Sometimes rain, snow, ice. Not usually. Usually it's in the 40s and 50s. But the wind could be scary going across. But it, it, I always enjoy it and I always do it. And I, I, didn't, I didn't go. So, the interesting part about March 6th is today, March 6th, not today, but March 6th, last Monday, was the official start of Daytona. And because the Alamo event on March 6th, I probably would have got to the Alamo that day and got into Daytona on Wednesday. Probably a two-day ride from, from the Alamo. Uh, yeah. And so I, I, in fact, didn't go. I would have I would have normally got to the Alamo like four or five o'clock in the afternoon. They have a pretty interesting ceremony on March 6th at the Alamo that night. And I would have paid my respects to those pioneers 
and and yeah, that's kind of my um, Yellowstone moment in time. But I grew up learning about that, studying about that, appreciating that the the fight that that Americans had, the sacrifices for our freedom. And I, I never took it for granted. I've never looked at America and said, "Oh, it's bad." Yeah, for, there's moments in time where you go, "Oh, I can't get any." Oh, it's all over. Oh, it's terrible. And then you get over it because you're in the you're in the heat of that. You just got face slapped. Boom! You go, whoa! And, and you, you got to snap out of it and collect yourself and do what you got to do. So you think back and you think back to all the circumstances that we've lived through. And I, again, go back to the animal because I started writing about this podcast on Monday, March 6th. And which, of course, brings me to the Tucker Carlson situation and the fact that he aired all those tapes beginning on Monday. Now, all those tapes, again, 44,000 hours. You don't air all those tapes unless you got 44,000 hours of time and we don't. Um, And so, but he did cherry pick. Now, the significance is that the committee, the congressional committee to investigate March 6th, which was one-sided, which was, again, not just focused, but they were they were formed to condemn the people that went into the Capitol on January 6th as an insurrection. And an insurrection would be, uh, this isn't according to Webster, <laughs> just according to me, an insurrection would be a mini-revolution. Or, you know, a revolution would be something on a larger scale. An insurrection is a local attempt at, at something that's a revolution, throwing an overthrowing of the government in a um, in, in more of a local. It's not taking on the whole country. It's not a civil war. It's an insurrection in that taking over Congress would describe the actions of or the accusations. They're trying to take over Congress. Nobody there was trying to take over Congress. Nobody there was trying to stop or change the government. Everybody there was saying that the election of Joe Biden was stolen. And before Congress had a chance to whatever qualify the election, whatever the right terminology is, we all wanted Congress to take a hard look and say no. We can't certify this election until we investigate the accusations that this election was stolen, that it was rigged, that it was fixed. Now, in practicality, would that have been possible? Probably not. But it it should have been, our voices should have been more respected. Instead, we were led down the path, and I, and I believe this, I, we were led down the path and a lot of people went over to the Capitol and did something very stupid in even looking like they breached the Capitol. And that's the first word my friend Mike said to me. They're breaching the Capitol. That's not they're walking in, people are holding the doors. They're breaching the Capitol and there's no perimeter that has been set up to stop them. So it doesn't mean that one side was wrong and one side was right. It means they're breaching the Capitol. That's wrong. And there's no perimeter being set up. And after, you know, this is Mike's words, after over 20 years as a cop, I know what to do when someone's breaching a building. This is not what you do. That You set up a perimeter. You, you do something to keep them out. Not 
at the door and not holding the doors open. You do it way in front. You set up a real perimeter. You get appropriate reinforcements when you see the amount of crowds who you and that, that wasn't done. And that was wrong. Equally wrong. And I'll tell you why I say equally, because I, I think that's interesting. I, I think that government, any government, their first job is to keep the people safe. And, and that's that's why and how they they set up armies and police forces and, and all that. Keep it people say keep it in order. And if they fall down on the job, I'm not saying it makes it, it doesn't justify people breaking things down. It doesn't. But but without order, people are going to do what they have to do to get where they want to go. And if nobody redirects them in some orderly fashion, they're going to. And these people saw. A, a, a building that wasn't being defended. There was no perimeter set up. And there were some people encouraging them, go in the Capitol. This is how you protest. Let them know how you feel. Go inside and tell them, do not certify this election. The election was stolen. You will be able to have an effect on how this government reacts to a stolen election. By going. And that was a lie. That was a lie perpetrated by the fact that there was no perimeter set up. There was nothing set up in contemplation of this large, strong, loud and and serious protest of a stolen election. So the other side wants to say, well, so that's the big lie. That's Donald Trump's lie. It's not Donald Trump's lie. I didn't need Donald Trump to tell me this election was stolen. I, I could see with my own eyes. Here's this sleepy Joe Biden, whatever you want to call him, stays in his basement, doesn't do anything, tells lies. I, I, I hear the other side, whatever they said in their campaign was just lies about Donald Trump's ineffective ineffectiveness on the, on, on the coronavirus, which is what they said, and, and other things that were lies about Donald Trump. But no, no real campaign, nothing. And, and, and we got almost 75 million. Now, someone else, someone said 74 million. I'm not going to argue. 74, 75 million. That's a huge amount of votes. Joe Biden conveniently gets 81 million votes. How? Well, maybe it's so. But our voices needed to be heard. And they knew how we felt. We, we made no secret about it. And they did not prepare in 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 order in a in they had the intelligence they knew what was coming and they did not prepare in a way that would show that they had any inkling that that was coming they prepared like oh it's gonna be a normal day there'll be a few more people here you know what it's gonna be real cold no one's coming to the capitol don't worry get a few more people well wait a minute we want to make available up to 20,000 national guard no we don't need that we don't need any national guard wait a minute the intelligence shows there's gonna be a huge protest at ellipse park we see all these people that listen don't worry about it they're not coming in. okay whatever you say because you're in charge nancy you're the boss nancy this is your call so that's that that's what happened and the result was some idiots going into the Capitol and destroying things. But not everybody was an idiot. Some people were out there protesting and they got invited into the Capitol. They said, oh, everybody's walking inside. You serious? Yeah, they're going in the Capitol. Look, it's the people's house. You can go, hey, go inside the building. Oh, did you hear that? Yeah, they're saying to go inside. 
Really? Yeah, look, the police are holding the doors open. Oh, wow, we could do that. Hey, we're inside the building. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop breaking things. Stop, you know, stop doing that. We don't want to see that. We just want to be inside the building. Okay, that's what most of the people who went inside the building did. Most of them just wanted to be inside the building and thought it was, that's, that's the right thing to do. Because it looked that way. They were invited in. It was inviting to go in. And so they went in the building. And now you had a committee that only showed everything that went wrong. And there were a lot of things that went wrong and nobody should condone any of it. But that wasn't the bulk of what happened. I don't know what percentage was criminal. I don't know. Criminal meaning vandals, meaning attacking any kind of police officer in any way. That criminal. Criminal being, you know, having weapons and using them. And, and that includes using a fire extinguisher as a weapon. But it also, it kind of like implies that people went in with guns and knives and other things that what would be interpreted as weapons. The fact that they turned fire extinguishers or other things into weapons, that's no less evil. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> it wasn't like people went in with weapons. They're inside. Things go haywire. They feel like maybe there's a couple of cops. Out of all the cops, there's a handful that want to throw these guys out or attack them. They want to defend themselves. Well, too bad they're wrong. I am not going to defend them for picking up any kind of anything and turning it into a weapon, especially to use on a police officer. So let's get this straight. But that wasn't the preponderance of, you know, the, the attitude or the conduct of the people in that building. That was a handful. But, it, but the committee, the congressional committee, made it look like that was the total focus and aim of almost everyone there. I say almost because I'm assuming a few got, got a pass. I'm assuming everybody didn't get indicted and sent to jail. But uh, plenty were, maybe a couple hundred. And that, that was just wrong. And they were railroaded. And nobody saw the what we call exculpatory evidence, okay? The evidence of presented by the defendant or in defense of those being accused. Nobody saw it. Nobody had any. Nobody presented. There wasn't another side. It was strictly a railroaded effort to condemn everyone and and the implication that it was supported by and encouraged by not just Donald Trump, but Donald Trump, Donald Trump's followers, the Republican Party in general, the MAGA Republicans, which is the bulk of the Republican Party, MAGA. Make America great again. So I look at this and you know nobody wants to talk about this forgotten history of America and how we got here. We look at this, what's going on on Monday with Tucker Carlson on Tuesday, and it's horrible, and it is. It's horrible that the government has, has done this. And, and now we're going to say, okay, we have, we have evidence showing that the committee lied and was wrong. And what are we going to do about that? Well, the first thing I think we should do about it is be treated fairly. Like, okay, wait a minute. The American people deserve to see this. Now it looks like there's two sides to the story. And so are we going to set up an alternative congressional panel to do the same thing? The first, I don't know. I don't know what the right thing is to do to get to the truth. But I know that the right thing to do 
is to get to the truth. However we get to the truth, the truth needs to come out. And in the meantime, whoever's been imprisoned and who's ever been put on trial, who's ever been, until that truth is found out, being we've seen all this exculpatory evidence coming out, flying out, 44,000 hours that we've just seen the tip of that iceberg. I think we've seen enough to say, whoa, because we saw that committee was one-sided. We saw it was just a, something, a setup to, but then we see on top of Chuck Schumer standing up and saying, oh, Tucker Carlson's committing a crime by showing the truth. We see Mitch McConnell standing up and other Republicans. It's kind of confusing. It's confusing to me, and yet it shouldn't be. I should be able to go back and look at history and say, why are they, nothing's changed. We've always fought for our freedom. It was never easy. We've had leaders who were lions. Today we have leaders who are sheep. So if we want to remain free, we better wake up the sleeping lions. The sheep are leading us to slaughter. And that's the sheep. The truth is all around us, clear and obvious. Biden's people, the Democrats, telling us the economy's good, inflation is down. White supremacy is America's biggest threat. That's what they, that's, and that's what the military said. Yeah, the biggest enemy isn't China. The biggest, the biggest enemy isn't, isn't being on the edge of World War III in the Ukraine with Russia, with NATO, and everything going on over there. The biggest enemy, they say, is, is white supremacy. Okay, yeah. And, 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 and then they say, ignore the, the Afghanistan debacle. Ignore it, okay? Climate change is our biggest threat. So w what is it? Is it climate change? Is, is it white supremacy? What What is it, okay? Everything's our biggest threat to America. Then they tell you America was built on slavery. The southern border is closed and safe. I mean, COVID came from a market. We've been hearing that for three years. Wear a mask. The vax will stop the spread. And, it, and the vax is good for kids. I am from the government and I'm here to help. Oh, unless I'm a cop, okay? <laughs> then I'm just here to hurt you. This is, that's what they're telling us. That's what they're telling us. And now you're telling me, I'm not telling me, I'm seeing with my own eyes, Mitch McConnell joining Chuck Schumer and saying, no, 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 he's right. He's right. This is wrong. Tucker Carlson telling us the truth. This is just showing us, showing us videos. He didn't make it up. He didn't create it. This isn't a filmmaker. This isn't a movie. This isn't a, a phony documentary. This is real video. That's all it is. Oh, but Tucker Carlson is wrong for showing it. Where's the media? Showing us the truth, letting us see for ourselves. Where was that panel showing us the other side of that coin? The other side of the coin is there whether you want to turn it over or not. You got heads and tails. Voter ID. Is voter Voter ID? So you're telling me that airplane ID, showing my ID when I get it on the airplane, is travel a suppression? <laughs> I guess it is. If you're telling me I got to show my ID to get on an airplane or show my ID to get oh, so many places, I got to show my ID. So you're telling me that that's, if I have to show my ID, it's suppression? And that's what they're telling us. And they're telling us the IRS needs 87,000 more agents to go after a handful of billionaires. That's why they need 87,000. That's what they're telling us, okay? Oh, yeah, those 87,000 billionaires who don't pay their fair share. 
That's what they're telling us. They're telling us January 6th, which I just talked about, was an insurrection, okay? I mean, they're telling us that natural immunity versus a vaccine, uh, just lies. Lies, lies, more lies. But these lies have mostly all been verified as truths by the media. So when they tell you these things, they're lies. Yeah, the vaccine is uh, stops the spread. It's good for a kid mask, a safer than needed. America was founded on slavery. The southern border was closed and safe. The media verifies all this. That's what's been going on. So now that Tucker Carlson comes out and shows all this, oh, that's that's been, and and both Democrats and Republicans condemn him. That's a scary time. That's a scary time. The vast media majority have become or were or have become left-wing sycophants. Yeah, you know, they're only challenged by a small FNC, you know, Fox News Channel led. That's the big one. Led group of conservative. They call us. They call it right wing. Well, if you, if you just look at the Fox News, you know they got Juan Williams, Maria or Geraldo Rivera. You gonna call that right wing? Come on, you. Are you that, I'd be. I'm embarrassed to be anything that would include any of those people. Not that they're not nice people. I wouldn't know. I don't want to be around them. But. They offer some challenge and they're just vilified, vilified just for voicing an alternative opinion. Cancel culture, suppression of free speech, hate crime. What's a hate crime? You commit a crime, you commit a crime for whatever reason. If if it was most crimes motivated by you need to get some money, you need to get drunk, you need to, I don't know, whatever that, but the, the, you get punished for the crime. Not for the motivation. If you commit a crime and you're motivated by hate, why are you why are you, you punished for the motivation? What made you rob a bank? Jesse James says that's where the money is. <laughs> okay, makes sense to me. So we're we're gonna convict him for saying that's where the money is. Or are you gonna convict him for robbing the bank? The guy commits a crime. You convict him for committing the crime, not for not for <laughs> motivating. And what's hate speech? We have a country founded on free speech, First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. When did this speech become a crime and action is not? Okay, I'll tell you the answer. Well, I'm sure it's people. George Floyd riots. How about that? Were those a protest? Whatever happened to sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never harm me. What happened? When did words become more dangerous? Than Let's look at Ashley Babbitt. For years now, the cops have been tried for shooting armed criminals under various circumstances. And even though many, most, are found not guilty, they still had to go through the expense, the expensive and stressful process. And even when they're acquitted, they're often stigmatized for life. Here, Officer Michael Byrd shot and killed an unarmed civilian while he was under no threat, no visible threat. She didn't have a gun. She didn't have a weapon. She wasn't yelling or screaming at him. She wasn't committing a crime. Yeah, she was coming into the Capitol. So were hundreds of others. Was there a threat? Every time you see somebody, they get shot. They have a gun. They have a knife. And yet the officer who shot them has got to go through the trial. Michael Byrd didn't go to trial. There was no public outcry, no messy public investigations. The cop is back on the job. That's it. 
and Mrs. Babbitt was stripped of all her military honors and benefits. That's right. All based on the lie that everyone that went into the Capitol on January 6th was part of an insurrection. Why? Why do you accept that? What was her motivation? Where was the investigation? Where was the, you know, we, we want to see, we want to see the whole thing because this is a life of a woman who lived a good life. She was a good person. She was, I think, a 14-year Air Force veteran. I mean, what was it about her that would make you automatically assume that she was a danger to anybody on January 6th just because she was in the Capitol? Did she have a weapon pointed at that guard, Michael Byrd? Did she have anything that would have given him? Did he say, drop that weapon, put up your hands? Oh, I'm going to shoot. Did he say, I'm a cop, you're under arrest? Did he say anything to Ashley Babbitt? Are we going to ever get to the bottom of this? Are we ever going to investigate? Because when Tucker Carlson just shows tapes to the American public and he's condemned for it, you know, we might have reached the new law in America. And I'm not, again, I'm looking at the nation forged in horrendous things, horrible situations, pioneers with the grapes of wrath going through the destitution of, of the 1920s and 30s, going through the depression, going through the, I mean, all of that. We've gone through it. The civil rights was slavery, horrible, horrible, terrible. We went through all that. the people that came here from all over the world and went through what they went through. The civil war. Ah, we've gone through worse. <laughs> we've gone through a lot worse. Relax, back up. Don't, I didn't say stop fighting. I didn't say stop being concerned. I didn't say do anything, but be even more committed to, to making America great again, again, and again, whatever it takes to make and keep this country great. And you're not going to keep it. There's always going to be people on the left and on the right. People are going to say, oh, we need more of this and less of that. I get it. But I think when you see the deterioration of freedom, you know, with, with this with this movement that that they had, you know, this horrible, terrible movement, this cancel culture, okay? Cancel culture by the United States Senate, by Chuck Schumer and the Republican? That's scary. That should be scary. And again, don't panic. We've, we've seen a lot worse. Listen, if you ever get a chance and you, and you want to read something and you want to look at American history and you want to see what we knew when we knew it and what we could have done about it or maybe what we shouldn't have done about it or we and we didn't do about it or what we did about it. Go read The Ugly American. Read The Ugly American. Came out in 1958. There was a book about America in Southeast Asia before before Vietnam became a quote-unquote war. Before 1958. It pointed out all the things that made us look stupid to the rest of the world, the ugly America. It, w it was a, a fictional uh, portrayal of a, of a real-life situation. Now, you know, I remember reading the book, by the way. I can't remember it. I swear to God. I've, I've, I've been going through it saying, yeah, I, I want to remind people what it was like even then. And it was pretty bad. 
It really was. You know, that was just before the McCarthy era and all that. Black listing people and doing this and that. That was the cancel culture of the 50s. But here we, here we have a book, The Ugly American. And I'm thinking back. I'm saying, yeah, we, we knew what bad behavior was. Or maybe our behavior wasn't bad behavior. It was depicted as bad behavior. Maybe it was just unintelligent behavior or, you know, like, quote unquote, bad behavior that should have put us on notice that we weren't using all our intelligence because a, a lot of what we were doing in Southeast Asia was sitting right there in front of us that led us into the, the war in Southeast Asia, the Vietnam War, which today I call it a war. By the way, it was called a conflict. And when I came back from Vietnam and I tried to get into, I remember me and my two buddies going to the um, VFW. That's the Veterans of Foreign Wars. And they laughed at us because we weren't in a war. Yeah, that's, that was like, that was 1966, not 58, 1966. We weren't in a war. That's what they said. What are you going to do? You know? <laughs> so things change. Things change. Yeah. I mean, we, 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 we see before our eyes the deterioration of a lot of things. And it's unacceptable. And we need to step up. But that doesn't mean America's falling apart. All these things, none of them are existential threats. You know what's an existential threat? The erosion of the of America by the it's the the decaying of I, I, I hate saying the moral value. You know that just doesn't sound right. I, I don't I don't like that connotation that I'm some Elma Gantry preacher on a pulpit. You know, so you gotta have God. I mean, but at the same time. That could be taken to extremes as well. You need to have a, a, a not, not maybe not a happy medium, but I, I think it's reasonable to, to, you know, to believe in God, to believe in a higher power, to believe that all this didn't happen by accident. It didn't, that, you know, there's more here to, to do something that says that we, the human species, you know, that there's something more important, something bigger and better. It's called humility. It's called hubris. It's called being humble, a little humble and grateful and appreciative and, and saying, yeah, let me. And that's what it's called and how you define it and, and sitting here and saying, no, there's nothing more than than a human. That's arrogant. You talk about hubris, right? That's arrogant. Be a little humble. Find that middle ground. Find a reason, not just to be honest and truthful, to act in a dignified way, in a manner that benefits all of humanity. And and trying to find that place is is important. You know, not to not to condemn everybody that goes to church as you know some, some right winger clinging to their Bibles, clinging. What's the connotation of clinging? Yeah, that's what Obama said. Clinging to their guns and their religions. What does that mean? Clinging. No, I think it's important to have weapons. I do. I certainly think it's important to have some some organized way of believing in God. And, uh, I, you know, and however it is, whatever, however you want to believe, I think it's important to have humility as a human being. I, I think that's important. Clinging? I don't think so. Now, why do we give Obama a pass? You know, I don't want to make this whole thing about Obama, you know. But I don't know. I, I, I look at this whole thing 
and and um, I'm I'm just looking at why has you know this lie about January 6th been put out, supported, and continually perpetrated. I mean, it's just it seems to vilify Donald Trump and his followers, which includes me, by the way. I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a big. I mean, I really feel strongly about the what Donald Trump Trump did in his time as president. I think it benefited not just America but the whole world. We weren't on the verge of World War Three. China wasn't talking about invading Taiwan. <laughs> you know, peace in the Middle East. Who the thunk it, right? The Abraham Accords. But you know, we're which they're trying to not just you know just get rid of Trump or you know make sure that he's so vilified that he can't run for president again, but that we're dissuaded from even following him. And you know he can't. They're just trying to make him either he can't or won't run for president. And now that 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 they're in this deep, they don't know how to get out. So the lie, like a sinkhole, keeps getting deeper. All their lies is they just keep on going and going and going. But they're the, that's not just Democrats. That's what scares me right now. And 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 now that we have over forty over forty thousand hours of video given to Tucker Carlson, and he is going to be looking at it, editing it. Well, he did. And and is the Department of Justice going to give this maybe an honest look, another look? <laughs> yeah, I joke. Not not maybe not now. But we got less than two years to president. Hopefully Trump, or at least a Republican, and then maybe, then maybe, you know, the, the Department of Justice is gonna, because you know, time has a a way of you know just meandering. Things happen, and they don't happen overnight. I mean, I I think that I, I, number one, I'm not giving up hope. I don't I, I don't want to say never. I don't think I'm gonna be around long enough. To, you know, you get to a point where. Things are so bad. I've I've seen it worse. You've seen it worse. We've all seen it worse. The wars. Seriously, the wars. People talk about endless wars because, you know, Afghanistan and Iraq were, you know, 20-year wars. Eh, wars last longer. You know, World War One didn't end, you know, until the end of World War Two. It was just one big continual ongoing war. Yeah, the guns didn't, you know... They weren't shooting guns and killing people, you know, in between that, the, you know, in the 20s and 30s. You know, it started in the in the teens, 2000, uh, 1914, and then you know stopped for a while, and then went for a while, and then 19, you know, in the 30s, wasn't that long ago. I mean, 1930s in Europe, there was what was going on, the revenge of Germany for being so <clears throat> trampled and and vilified and and you know and then so they came back and we had what we had with the russians i mean huge so it was long the whole thing the whole history of humanity is a history of endless wars on and on and on what makes you think that's going to stop please don't i mean go back thousands of years it's it's a continual war endless war and if you're not ready for it, you're going to lose. And if you lose, you lose it all. And yeah, a little, maybe 50, 100 years later, you'll, you know, your people will get <laughs> Yeah. But, but your children are going to lose it if you lose it. Yeah. What happened to Japan? What happened to Germany? What happened? To, I mean, and it, and it could be worse. What can happen to us could be worse. 
getting taken over by the Russians could be worse for the Ukrainians. Getting taken over the, by the Chinese for us? You don't think it'll happen? Well, I gotta tell you something. They are doing everything to make it happen. Everything to make it happen. Building warships, building the ability to take over the American economy, to dominate America in every way, shape, and form. Everything. If, if, if you don't think that's happening, it's because you're not being told the truth. If you're not being told the truth by your educators, by your politicians, something is desperately wrong. And if we don't prepare to stand up to that so it's avoided, we are going to be victims of it. And that will be a lot worse than anything that's gone on before or anything going on right now. But we could do it. We're in the best position we've ever been in to do that, to turn things around. As you, you, a cancel culture and and everything bad and and if, you know they're taking away our free speech. Then boom, what do you got? Elon Musk buys Twitter. Boom, what do you have? You have Tucker Carlson shows forty thousand hours. That's what you have. You have the ability to check all these horrible things, turn them around almost instantaneously. You have the ability. We have that ability. That's what makes it so exciting to be alive today. I'm New York Mike. This is me rambling. <laughs> this is rolling with New York Mike. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being there. Thanks for subscribing. I'm out. Thanks for listening to Rolling with New York Mike. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to keep this podcast rolling.